How do we value cultural content? How do we distinguish between a film which we intuitively feel has failed spectacularly and how do we assess something that we think succeeded very well? Hello, I'm Vincent O'Donnell and you're listening to The Conversation Podcast. Today, financing Australian screen production. The renaissance of the Australian screen production industry commenced 45 years ago when the then Liberal Party coalition government, led by Prime Minister John Gorton, committed Commonwealth funds to support a revival of the industry. The then chairman of the Australian Film Commission, Ken Watts, told me that success for the government's initiative and the new Film Commission would be accomplished if in five years more, the Commission could be closed and the industry continue under its own steam. It hasn't happened. In fact, in probably only one country, India, does a national screen production industry not depend on some form of public subsidy. Hollywood itself is most skillful at exploiting US and other nations' production incentives. Pirates of the Caribbean is not planning to shoot on the Gold Coast just for the beaches. I'm joined by David Tiley, editor of the national online screen industry journal, Screen Hub. David, how do Australian films currently get funded? It's a combination, a kind of maze that oscillates between cultural and economic requirements. I think the first thing to be said is that a film has to be defined to be Australian, and that itself is a complex matter which has exercised cultural scholars now for two generations. But beyond that, the criteria are basically economic. There's a root lump of money that comes from Screen Australia, which is a federal funding body. The state agencies also put some money in. There is a tiny amount in most productions of private finance. There's a large amount of tax money called the tax offset, which goes against your tax bill. And there are overseas pre-sales and there are distribution guarantees provided by the picture's final distributors to ensure that it gets exhibited. How about lower budget films? Are they looking at things like crowdfunding? They are, and crowdfunding is creeping in even to the larger budget films when you're looking at the development stage because Australian production companies are so lean they tend not to have the money to fund their own development. Given the taxpayer pays two chunks of this, or perhaps even three, through federal and state agencies and through tax offsets, how much money are we talking about? The actual amount of money is quite hard to calculate because it does come from a variety of different sources and comes at different times in the production process and some of it has to be paid back. Um, as of 2013, though, the total budgets of Australian feature films, of which there were 27 covered by the system I'm talking about, was somewhere a bit north of $300 million of which 30% of it was said to be foreign, which is what happens through pre-sales, 26% came from the industry, 30% of it, or 89 million, came from the offset, and 2% of it was private government investment, and 12%, or $35 million, came from other state agencies. Missing from that, however, is the other source of finance, which is what can come from broadcasters. Given that uh, those figures are a bit rubbery and a bit hard to kind of massage into easy lumps, do you have any idea of how much employment is created by these investments? We say, according to the Bureau of Census and Statistics figures, that the combined television and film employment production sector employs about 23,000 people. What are the challenges for a film to raise money in Australia, apart from demonstrating that it is culturally Australian? 
Well, the first issue is when you get the money. I mean, the general sort of comic picture that produces paint is that you've got to get an awful lot of ducks in a row. And while you're getting the final ducks from the Australian government, the first ducks have got a habit of running off and crossing the road and disappearing into the swamp. Um, so that is a very important issue about getting everything and all everyone's preconditions lined up together. One of the really big issues that prevents the industry from actually growing is the sheer improbability that a feature film is going to return its investment, particularly inside Australia. That improbability, I've got to say, is shared by the industry around the world, but it's still extremely difficult in an environment dominated so completely by American tentpole movies for anyone else to make a quid. And investors know that. And by tentpole movies, you mean films which are working to establish formula and supported by huge promotional budgets. Yes, and are generally pretty big anyway. A bottom layer of a tentpole movie would be a $50 million budget. There's only, what is it, I think a maximum of five films a year that are made in Australia, funded domestically, that are worth more than $10 million. So you can see that we're not in that ballpark. It helps to explain why we're so keen to get the very high-budget sector movies running as well which are ultimately bankrolled by American studios. Given that our present funding model has evolved from many earlier tries and experiments in government subsidy, how well is the present model delivering for the Australian cinema and for the Australian public? I think it delivers very much better than we think it does, than the commentariat is caught up with or its audiences tend to realise. The problems that we share economically are shared around the world. They're not a problem attached to quality. They may be a problem attached to the fact the Australian sense of humour is a bit unusual, but they're generally uh, the simple boundary conditions of the system, really. I would argue that the state and federal funding instrumentalities, for their part, have being very good at embracing new opportunities, looking at new models and funding new generations. That within the conventional system, they're being as unjudgmental as they can be in a system that does involve personal taste. At the same time, I think by and large, the tax money is being used in a, in a kind of routine and fairly effective manner. At this stage in our tax process, a pretty high percentage of that money is turning up on the screen. Given that uh, most Australian films are funded by this cocktail of finances, most of which are borne directly or indirectly by the taxpayer, and we do it for cultural reasons as much as economic reasons, should we have a different measure of the success of Australian film than simply box office returns? Uh, you've hit the nail on the head with one of the messiest intellectual problems that the screen community is actually facing, which is... How do we value cultural content? How do we distinguish between a film which we intuitively feel has failed spectacularly and how do we assess something that we think succeeded very well? The classic example of that, which is being bandied around at the moment, is Babadook, which made you know $280,000 or something in Australia, did $2 million alone in France and has done well in a number of markets as well and has done very well in critical opinion, succeeded significantly at festivals and is playing a significant role as a single film in the reinvigoration of a genre. How do you actually measure that? The answer is you can't. You've just got to say you've got a basket of films that feel pretty good. It helps us a lot, I must say, when the Actor Awards, which are the kind of the annual 
classy award system which lines up with what the general public thinks actually does fit the way that the, the industry itself votes. The pictures that we like seem to be the pictures that, by and large, the community will say, oh, yeah, that's not a bad film. This year, of course, the Best Picture got a joint award which went out between Babadook and The Water Diviner. The second award for Best Film, The Babadook. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Given we have 40 years or more of the new Australian film industry to look back upon, have there been shifting fashions in the genre of films being made? And what type of films are presently attracting uh, investments? You know, that's, a, that's an idea which is devoutly worshipped in the Australian industry. We all have kind of eras in our heads where we think certain sorts of films are getting made. When you go back in as, of course, the kind of highly trained academics with a dogged determination go back into, you start to find that, that actually that's not very true. What is true is that at different periods of time in its history, as the funding sector is under more or less stress, it funds more or less experienced candidates. When the industry is really desperate, it starts to fund a lot more emerging players, for instance, because bluntly they're cheap. And, and when it's feeling really sick, the industry will decide that the last thing it can do is fund its own future. And that tends to affect the kind of movies we made. We're known to make gloomy pictures, but that's a cliche. I think we probably had periods of time in our past when we weren't feeding comedians, rather than that we were emphasising gloomy pictures, that we tend to do well when culturally our comedy sector is thriving and the film industry takes advantage of that. Is there, to your mind, any relationship between the political zeitgeist of the time and the kinds of films that have been successful? No. I think the Australian film industry, for all its domestic and personal citizen concerns, is resolutely interested in a good story and resolutely interested in entertaining people. The only zeitgeist thing I would say is that the sector is really determined to support Indigenous culture. And that has shown up in not just the success of Australian films made by Indigenous filmmakers, but the tenacity with which we've stuck to the funding model for them. One of the frequently mentioned challenges in Australia is the promotional budget, the commercial marketing, advertising side of getting a film before the general public particularly in the face of the tentpole films that you've mentioned earlier, which arrive on our shores pre-sold through either their American successes or successes in the BAFTAs or in the Oscars. Have we been spending enough on promotional budgets for Australian cinema? No. The trouble is, even if we do spend that money, the people sitting in Hollywood doing it are really experienced. They They do a lot of them all the time. They're getting the best out of 330 million people. Um, We're competing for our best marketers with a lot of other sectors. But the trouble is, if you do put in enough money, if, for instance, we go and get Americans to do our marketing for us, which we try and do every now and again with trailers, you still lose your shirt. So people become very risk-averse about spending what's called the print and advertising budget. 
if no one's going to come, you might as well not do it. And that if most of the interest is word of mouth, then you don't need to either. And arguably, Australian films are mostly... They're attracted by low-key curiosity. They're not attracted by big, splashy advertising campaigns. That's arguable, but it's possible. Well, then, our social media, word of mouth, electronically mediated word of mouth influences... Uh, the principal or most important way of getting Australian films before Australian audiences? The jury's out on that at the moment. It's certainly true that some filmmakers like Robert Connolly, who's just delivered almost $8 million of box office into his film called Paper Planes for Kids, and which is a stunning achievement, is a master of the use of public opinion, the master of the use of publicity. Actually, we would tend to say that it's more the the publicity budget that matters rather than the advertising budget. A very sinister sign about that, for instance, at the moment, is it's entirely possible you'll see our audiences collapse for the single and simple reason that David and Margaret are no longer on the ABC. Well, with Australian films enjoying, and I use the word ironically, between 1% and 3% of the Australian box office on a regular basis, are we wasting money making films in Australia? We probably waste money making pictures that people know are going to die, that, that there is a percentage of those, I will accept that. But the answer's no, because the cultural budget overwhelms it. There's a number of arguments about that. One is it's never really under 3%. 3% regarded as disastrous. The other thing is you've got to take a longer time frame. A really good example for this, for instance, is that around about November, we were saying behind closed doors that 2014 was a really terrible year. And of course, six weeks later, we've got... Uh, Water Divine are making $24 million, I think, at the moment, um, plus nearly eight off paper planes. And we're saying, those figures look pretty good. Also, the other thing that has to be taken into account, you know, very clearly, is that the total lifetime of a film includes much more than its box office. An extremely good example of that, again, is Samson and Delilah, which was a, a very tough Aboriginal film, which did pretty well at the box office, I think something like $2 million. But that's still not that many people when you divide it by 15 for the number of people who actually went. Run on the ABC on a Sunday night, it did well over a million people. Over a million, in fact, just on the five cities. So the cultural success of Samson and Delilah is the fact that something like 1 in 15 Australians actually watched it. But it probably didn't make its budget back. And we should say that because a film takes $1 million at the box office, it does not mean the producer sees $1 million. They would be very lucky to see $200,000, 20% of the box office. That would be round about, it's a little under what the distributor would take away, but then the distributor has to split that money with the producer and both of them together have got to pay for the advertising costs before you get to that point. So the producer's doing pretty well if they make $125,000. Finally, David, two last questions. We've seen in Australia very, very big budget foreign films coming in. We had Wolverines uh, attracted to shoot in Sydney by large government subsidy. The Nemo 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea still hovers in the wings. Again, large government subsidy. And with Pirates of the Caribbean shooting on the Gold Coast, should we be attracting those films and what do they give to the Australian industry? Well, for a start, the amount of money that's actually spent is said to be less than what the tax return is from the pockets of the individual people getting paid. 
that's something that the industry is very proud to be able to say to people. Secondly, it provides a lot of work. It provides a lot of experience. It provides a lot of excitement for communities. It brings a raw amount of foreign money into the country, which is good for balance of payments. It also keeps in being the large post-production companies which enable us to deliver to our own smaller budget films a very high level of expertise in the production process. And finally, last year, the Commission of Audit recommended halving Screen Australia's budget. What would the Australian film industry do given such a cut? Well, given that that at the moment will come on the top of cuts to the ABC and SBS, I think it would be a very retrograde move. The story I'm hearing informally is that Screen Australia, because it has already been cut, is in terrible trouble anyway. David Tiley, editor of the National Online Screen Industry Journal Screen Hub, thanks for your contribution to the conversation. I'd say it's an absolute pleasure.